0: A consistent body care routine is a really important part of my self-care. I feel so much better when my skin is looking and feeling good. It's such a small thing that has a big impact on your overall day for your well-being. A consistent body care routine doesn't just promote healthy glowing skin, it actually boosts our mental health too. So give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven seaweed infused skincare that provides results you can see and confidence that you can feel. Osea's Andaria LG Body Butter is not your typical body butter. It transforms dry, crepey skin to smooth, soft, and supple skin. And it's my absolute favorite. I use OCS products religiously, and I have been for years. It really is the best out there. One of the best parts about the body butter is that it's non-greasy. I hate putting on body lotion and feeling slippery and sticky all day, but OCS body butter absorbs right into your skin, leaving you feeling hydrated and ready to make the best of whatever is next on your agenda and it's been shown to hydrate you for 72 hours after applying. Skin care is self-care, so this is a habit worth keeping all year round. With Osea, you will get clean, seaweed-infused products from a company with over 27 years of experience, making sure they are the safest for your skin and the planet. All of Osea's products are vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out with clean skin and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with the code YOGA at oseamalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to oseamalibu.com and use the code YOGA for 10% off. Hi, and welcome to another episode of From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. Today I am not joined by a guest, but it's just me, myself, and I. I am sitting at my office right now. I'm drinking a coffee and eating a stroop waffle, which is my latest and most intense obsession ever. Um, if you're not uh, from Belgium or Holland, or if you're not immersed in the world of stroop waffles, I have to share. <laughs> it's basically the greatest thing ever. It's like a little round waffle with this caramelly gooey type thing inside of it, and it's just the most delicious thing. When I had the baby, someone told me that I couldn't eat chocolate anymore because chocolate apparently can make babies gassy or fuzzy, uh, which is not the case with Leah Luna, thank God. <laughs> but in the beginning, I was really nervous about that. so I had to figure out what to eat instead of chocolate. And for a chocoholic like me, that was really, really challenging. I had like a moment of panic at the grocery store, like what am I going to eat? If I can't eat chocolate, like I have a huge sweet tooth, I need to eat something. Um, so I found this this little stroop waffle, and um, ever since um, I'm basically eating them every day. And they're really full of sugar and really bad for you, but so good for your soul. Anyway, that's not what this episode is going to be about. That would be good. I could do a whole episode about stroop waffles. I could do a whole episode actually about my my sweet tooth and just sugar cravings, which is something I. Uh, struggle with. So good, I'll put that little pin in that for maybe for next week. But this week for this episode, I want to talk about one of the great loves of my life. We're not going to talk about Dennis or Lea Luna or Ringo. We're actually going to talk about yoga. We've had a couple of episodes in a row right now that have been really focused on baby stuff. So motherhood, having a baby. All of that, which I'm really, really immersed in at the moment, of course. Um, But since I started planning this podcast, which was a really long time ago, I actually had a specific episode planned for the second episode of the show for week two, but it never happened. And I always knew the first episode is going to be Lea Luna's birth, the birth story, uh, because it was around that time. Actually, I recorded the first ever episode of this podcast with a one week old, uh, which is... Insane. This podcast is 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 just one week younger than my baby. That's that's pretty beautiful. Um, but I had this episode planned for for week two, and it never happened. Uh, I had planned all these episodes out, and I already decided the already decided the title for the second one, and it was going to be Yoga Every Damn Day. If you don't know Yoga Every Damn Day, it's it's a huge hashtag in the internet world, in the online world. It's it's the biggest uh, yoga-related hashtag in the world after hashtag yoga. And I wanted to really dive into that, like the origin, first of all, of this hashtag and how the movement of yoga every damn day kind of came to life and also my practice, um, how it's changed. And then I, you know, being pregnant, having a baby and what it's like now, I had all this, all this stuff planned. Uh, and somehow now this is week eight of this show. This is episode eight. And I still have not gotten around to incorporating yoga into the yoga girl podcast. <laughs> I think that's, that's, that's pretty, pretty funny. The thing is I'm yoga girl. I've kind of, become yoga girl. I mean, I'm Rachel Brayton, but I'm, I'm also yoga girl. Yoga is a huge part of my life. It has been for over a decade, but it's not all of my life. Um, it's not everything. It used to have, take up much more space. Yoga was kind of everything. <laughs> everything I did is what I did when I woke up in the morning and then I would teach all day long. I would write about yoga. I would take pictures of yoga poses and then post them to the internet and teach, you know, retreats and trainings and yoga, 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 and then practice again in the evening. Like my whole, I just woke up and went to bed with yoga. Now it doesn't really look the same. Um, you know, I, I live and breathe my baby girl. <laughs> That's literally what's happening. And I've definitely had times over the past year where I've completely fallen out of my practice. I'm not. It's not like you fall out of a practice, like you're tripping and falling and hurting yourself. But where I've um, yeah, fairly consciously either taking a break or slow down or taking some space or where my practice has morphed into something different. And now my baby, she's nine weeks old. Things are finally starting to calm down. Like I I can almost, almost sense a little bit of a routine happening in our life. Not, you know, Oh, I have to knock on wood (laughs) because, As I say this, probably everything is going to change tomorrow morning. But we have a little bit of a routine going right now, which is beautiful. I kind of know when she sleeps and when she eats a little bit. Our nights are solid. She's not crying anymore. Um, I feel really confident taking her places. And I feel really confident not returning to my old life, because life will never, ever be the same as it was before baby, and I don't want it to. But I feel more and more confident returning to myself in a way. So returning to Rachel, Rachel. I think when you become a mom, it's just all of a sudden you're mom. (laughs) And for a long time, that's just it. I mean, for the past two months, all I've been and done is mom stuff. There's been, you know, no space or time for me to really think of myself or focus on what I need. Um, The fact that I've had an hour a week just to record this podcast is like a miracle. But now, you know, as soon as things are calming down a little bit, I can sense my first urge, really my first, first urge when I realized, okay, wow, I can actually take an hour or two and do something for me, uh, the first thing that I did was roll out my yoga mat. Literally, that was the first thing. That, I mean, I've been craving it so much the past weeks. So for the past three weeks, I have actually been on my mat every single day. And I've been on a mat in a way that that I haven't in a while. So before I, before I got pregnant, I was really busy. And I think about it now the the level of busyness in my life, <laughs> the level of business the level of busyness, you see how those are very connected. It was just out of this world, totally, totally insane. I could schedule so many things in a day, squeeze so much stuff in a day, and how my mind was working with all of these meetings and starting up businesses and making money and traveling the world. And like, I had all of this in my mind. There was just so much to do all the time. And even though as I got pregnant, we were starting up this studio, so we dove into construction, which was insane. But basically, every year since, yeah, for the past five years or something, have been in have been really, really crazy. I haven't had a lot of space for myself. I've focused on I focused on building a career. I focused on building these uh, starting up these projects and building these things and manifesting dreams, which has been amazing. But I along the way, a little bit, I've lost that regular day-to-day focus of my own well-being and this is something that I have to practice all the time Uh, I tend to always put myself second so everything else has to get done first everybody else around me have to feel great and be cared for first and if there's a little space time left in the day that would go to me and there's something about first of all pregnancy I think that gives you just a whole new appreciation of the body. And also for me, it was a big realization that I couldn't continue the way I had. I couldn't stay doing all of this crazy stuff and keep up the pace that I had been for the for the past years while being pregnant. It just didn't work. Leah, we called her poppy or poppy seed then, she just wasn't having it at all. You know, she needed me to be really centered and focused and balanced and relaxed and soft and take time to prepare for this big arrival. So I had to slow down during pregnancy and it changed so much, so much in my life. And now that I've had the baby and I'm actually rolling out my mat again, it's with a completely different appreciation. And it's also with a completely different sense of space and time. So now I wake up in the morning. All I have is this, I have baby and it's this smiling, gorgeous little creature in front of me. And then I go to yoga. And now not only do I have time to do yoga every day, I've realized that this is the most important thing right now. I mean, the most important thing is baby, but for me to stay sane, to stay a good mother, to stay a good wife, to function in this world, in this space and all of that's happening, I need this practice every day. And because I'm technically on maternity leave, I have more time now than I've had in the past five years. I have time to, I mean, I could technically go to yoga class twice a day and uh, and that would be fine. So I'm in this very luxurious space. Not only am I realizing the deep, deep, deep importance of the practice in a completely new way. Before, for me, yoga was, it's always sacred. It's always a place for me to come home to, you know. But it used to be more about, it used to be more, about the physical. It used to be very, very, very much about uh, where can my body go. So I healed a very, very, how do I phrase this? Uh, I healed a really shitty back. <laughs> okay, I had so much back pain my entire life. So when I started to practice, or when I found the practice, my first year or two of practicing was super slow and very gentle and very focused on healing. And the moment I I healed my back and I was actually able to do things with my body. It was such an epiphany and it was such an empowering thing that I was, I became completely obsessed with advanced asana for years. I mean, if you follow me on Instagram, if you've done that, if you, not now, I mean, if you follow me on Instagram now, um, it's all baby. <laughs> uh, if you were on Instagram with me, maybe three or four, or maybe five even, wait, how many years? This will be the fifth year. Uh, it was all handstands, inversions, arm balances, advanced this, advanced that, pressing to this, like floating into that. I became completely obsessed about what my body could do and where my body could go. So whenever I rolled up my mat, I didn't realize it then, but there was a lot of ego attached to what would happen to me during that time or where would I take my body now? And this is a really challenging thing. So the the practice, whatever brings you to the yoga practice is awesome and beautiful and great. And uh, if you're practicing yoga because all you want to do is learn how to balance on your hands, that's awesome. Continue, do that. Because inevitably, no matter why you found the practice, you're going to find a deeper and a more sacred space with time. It's inevitable. If you keep practicing, you're going to find there's a depth and an intelligence to this practice that goes so far beyond what you think your body can do. And that's why I say no matter what brings you to the mat, if you want to lose weight and that's all you care about right now and, you know, that's it, great, do yoga. I would never advocate or tell anyone to lose weight, but if that's what brings you to the practice, wonderful. If you want to get a six-pack and you want to get super abs and look great for the bikini season, awesome, do yoga. If you want to heal yourself, if you have pain, do yoga. If you want to de-stress and find softness or maybe have a space to relax, do yoga, What I'm trying to say is it doesn't matter what brings you to the mat. And it doesn't matter what brings the people around you to the mat. Uh, Sometimes you can find, you can really see, I've heard a little bit of judgment in the yoga community from people that, you know, you have these people that are kind of holier than thou. Like I've practiced yoga forever and I'm fluent in Sanskrit and I'm so devoted and sacred and everything is, you know, uh, I sometimes see this tendency to almost look down at other people if they practice for what they think is the wrong reasons. There are no wrong reasons to practice yoga. If you're on your mat for whatever reason, you're doing it right. And even if you begin in this more, um, in a place where the ego maybe has some space on the mat, it's fine because the deeper you go and the longer you practice, yoga is gonna start to work on you. And that's what happened to me. So for me in the beginning, my first ever, ever, ever time, I wrote about this in in my first book. First time I ever rolled out a yoga mat, ever. I was 16 years old and I was on vacation with my parents in Thailand, we went to Hua Hin. My parents separated when I was two years old, two or three. I was really, really little, and still somehow, I don't know how it happened, uh, we used to still take vacations together. Not anymore. Sorry, mom. Sorry, dad. It <laughs> doesn't happen anymore. Uh, but it used to. So we, we had a couple trips um, together, even though they, were, they weren't they were together anymore. But we went to Thailand, all of us. And they had these activities at this hotel where we were staying. And my mom said one day, she said, here, they have this, this thing called yoga. There's yoga um, over by this garden over there. Do you want to come? I said, yoga, I never heard of that in my life. When I was 16, I was very, very busy drinking anything and everything I could get my hands on. I was, um, yeah, there were stretches of time where I was drunk every single day. I would day drink, I would go drunk to school, I just drank a lot of alcohol. I was the party girl, number one. Anyone who lived on the island where I grew up outside of Stockholm or anyone who went to school with me knew that if you ever wanted to party, Rachel was the girl to see. And I was really destructive. I was really not not very happy. I was a very unhappy teenager. So she said, you want to go to yoga? I said, yoga, what is that? And uh, found out it was something to do with like an exercise routine or something. Yeah, I, d- I thought it was like aerobics or something. And to this day, I cannot remember what we did. Like I can't remember any specific poses. I can't remember any sequencing or um, I can't remember what type of yoga it was. I really have no idea. But we were on little bamboo mats under the shade uh, in the grass. And there was this little Thai man who was leading this class. And all I remember is the feeling I had when I walked away. And I remember feeling really, really, really calm, really at peace. I remember thinking that, oh wow, this is, this is really beautiful. But I can't remember anything else. And that was my first yoga experience. I wasn't even on a, on a, on a yoga mat. And then a couple of years passed and I would go through a lot before yoga found its way back into my life. And I eventually ended up moving from Sweden, and I moved to Costa Rica. And in Costa Rica is where I I had my first big yoga experience. I love hearing stories from people. We call it the yoga epiphany or the yoga aha moment. You know, if you never did yoga in your life, and you take your first class ever, and it's like, wow, have you ever met a person who had that experience? It's just so amazing, mind-blowing, opens your mind, you know, you're in Shavasana and just oh my God, it's like a, it's like a sacred, holy epiphany type experience. And I hear that all the time. You know, it's really beautiful to bring a complete beginner into a class and see how it opens them up and how they realize like, this is something I want to stick to. I never had that experience. Unfortunately, I never did. I had so much back pain uh, growing up. Since I was a teenager, I had scoliosis, not super bad, but I have an elevated and outwardly uh, externally rotated left hip, which means that My left leg looks shorter than the right, and it's caused a little crookedness to my spine. I had so much pain, specifically lower back pain when I was in my teens, that uh, there was a Christmas that we spent at the emergency room with like, or at the chiropractor, like emergency chiropractor with electrodes on my back. And someone had to carry me into the car and carry me back out because I couldn't move. I would wake up in the morning and just like reach for something or, or turn my alarm clock off or something super simple and something would snap in my back. And that was it. I just wouldn't be able to move for like a week and no one really, you know, contemplated why or how it could be that at such a young age, uh, I could have so much, so much back pain because it kind of runs in my family. My aunt has it, my grandma had it. Uh, and it was just kind of a normal, like I knew there were certain things I couldn't do. I could never, you know, my shoes bending over it would never ever ever happen I was really f- afraid of, of exercising I was afraid of doing something new to my body not knowing that at any given moment I could just throw my back out so when I started practicing yoga or I found this studio in Costa Rica when I moved there I was really terrified because I felt like I didn't know my body and that was I think the problem I didn't have any I didn't have much body awareness and I started practicing there and every pose that required any type of twisting, folding, or backbending terrified me. So twisting, folding, and backbending, basically all of yoga (laughs) terrified me. I didn't know, um, I I didn't trust the practice and it had a lot to do with, I didn't trust myself. I didn't trust my body, didn't know my body. And I also lacked the fundamental trust in life. And I can really see how throughout the years, my practice and how it's changed and, and, and evolved. It has so much to do with, with my trust in life. It has so much to do with how I've evolved spiritually or emotionally. That's, it's all tied together. Basically the body shows us what's happening on the inside. So whenever we're faced with an injury or we're faced with some new tightness or soreness, or when we evolve in our practice and all of a sudden we can do new things, you know, it's all connected to how we're feeling on the inside. And back then I was really young. I mean, I was, I think 19. I completely lacked trust in life. I didn't know myself. I didn't know who I was. Uh, and I didn't have this this deep-seated trust that no matter where I go, everything is going to be okay. But I was always kind of expecting for expecting the something to go wrong or waiting for the other shoe to drop, kind of. And what I was lacking was I didn't have any core strength. And the seed of the core is the seed of trust. Our intuition sits there, and this fundamental belief that I am cared for I completely lacked that and I had no core stability at all which caused a lot of sensitivity and a really unstable lumbar spine so my lower back was always always causing me trouble but I started practicing and I was really gentle I was lucky to find a teacher who was really focused on the Iyengar style of yoga so lots of props and long holds and 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 uh, a gentle gentle teacher I had my first year at least maybe more than that, was so restorative and so healing and so gentle. And I was, the biggest epiphany for me, I think, was uh, learning the art of listening to my body. I never did that. So I would roll out my mat. I lived in this little shack in Costa Rica. It was this kind of disgusting little shack. It was full of sand and scorpions and totally crazy. And I would roll out my mat and lie down. And I really remember bringing bringing my knees into my chest twisting. So dropping the knees, maybe to the left and bringing the right arm to the right and doing it so slowly and with so much awareness and mindfulness that I knew I started realizing if I'm very mindful when I move, I'm never going to throw my back out because I'm not throwing my body anywhere. Right? So the idea of throwing your back out or of injuring yourself, it doesn't happen when we're completely present with the body because when something starts to go awry or when something starts to go wrong or you're moving in your your body in a way the body isn't ready to move yet you're going to know right away so before you end up at a place of injury or at a place where you're compromising the body your body's going to tell you hey this isn't right or hey this doesn't feel good or hey this is not the right direction and then you can pull back and you can soften and modify or come out of the pose so I remember lying on my back in this little shack Uh, that I had. And just this one simple twist, just dropping my knees one side, arm the opposite side, but doing it so slowly that I could feel that this is where my body is able to go. This is what my body is able to do. And that's how I started practicing yoga. So I was really lucky to first of all, find a teacher who promoted that style of yoga, this very gentle space. But also that that's the first thing that I learned, that it's all about the body and it's all about. Not all about the body, but it's all about being mindful with the body. And that meant whatever class I found myself in after that, when I started cultivating this very gentle and mindful home practice, I never injured myself practicing yoga. And it's something that I for sure would have done if I was kind of, if I flew into an ashtanga practice maybe or a dynamic vinyasa flow class or anything that requires you know a gazillion chaturangas and planks and updogs and move this and move that. I probably would not have stuck with the practice because I'm fairly sure I would, got, would have gotten injured because I was in such a sensitive place with my back. And what I needed at the time was something very restored and very healing. And I don't think I could have done an upward facing dog to save my life. So I had about a year, maybe even two, I think a year and a half of that type of practice. And from there, I was able to build. And Usually people find the practice kind of the other way around. You know, we usually start with this sweaty stuff because we want to exercise or we want to sweat or move or, you know, want to learn how to handstand. We want to do these fun things and discovering that you, your body can't do certain things from pain is not a super fun thing. So I, I, I much prefer the idea of learning where your body can go from listening to your body first, instead of getting the lesson afterwards or after you've found an injury or, 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 pain so i was I was blessed that way, and it's also how i how I teach. At the studio here, we have several amazing, amazing teachers, and we have a beginner series that runs six week long. we uh, where twice a week, a group and they stay together, the group the whole time, uh, get to really start with the basics. And that's how we also find out who has an injury, who is not feeling good today, who has sensitivity in the lower back or wrists, or you know something going on with the body. So you can learn from someone telling you. Here is how you modify, or here is how you can change your alignment, or what to focus on when you practice for you. And that's something that you don't really get in a flow class because we're moving too quickly. Anyway, so from there, um, I was able to heal this pain that I had in my lower back. And then I realized, holy shit, yoga is awesome. (laughs) I started playing around with inversions. I started playing around with, you know, I think crow pose was probably my first um, hand balance. And I built all this core strength, which helped to fix or help to save my lower back and from there I started just decided I was going to become this badass yoga person I'm going to learn every hand balance in the book and I'm going to just you know I was so into this empowering place because it is very empowering to learn these poses it really tells you you can you know there's nothing you can't do so I found this trust in life I started trusting in the fact that I was in the right place that it was the right time I started using the meditation practice to attract abundance. All of these magical things started happening for me and it all kind of came from me building this strength at the center of my body. So I cultivated core strength at the same time that I found this trust and they're so intricately connected. And from there, I was able to find this really dynamic blossoming practice. And then somewhere around there, I was really into this hand balance type practice. That is not at all what my practice looks like today. Holy, holy shit. No, not at all. But back then, and it was around the same time that I found Instagram, which was uh, a lucky thing, or I think good timing. There wasn't any, I think almost any, very, very little yoga on Instagram. I mean, the idea of yoga and social media, I think is, uh, is very contrasting to begin with. And I had this personal Instagram account. I was just posting things like, I think the first ever thing I posted was a picture of a grapefruit. <laughs> it was my breakfast. The second picture was a picture of my dog, Sergeant Pepper. And somewhere around there, I started posting photos of—I think one photo of, of some yoga pose I did on the beach just for fun. And then I got all these questions, like, "Oh my God, do you teach yoga? And uh, can you help me? Do you know what to do uh, for my alignment here, or I have a wrist injury here? Could you give me some tips?" So strangely enough, I think because probably I chose the uh, the Instagram name Yoga Girl. All these people started asking me questions and wanted tips and advice on how to, what to do with their practice. So, in the beginning, I used Instagram not so much as a tool for inspiration or to build community, but as an informative <laughs> platform. I wanted to teach yoga online in this very strange way of like commenting on people's posts or, um, Yeah, I was really, every day I would kind of post, uh, you know, the name of the pose and the benefits and the contradictions and what to do and what not to do and focus on this and that, which is not really the style of yoga that I, uh, not not really the part of the practice that I love teaching, actually. But I did that and I wanted to be this perfect yoga person. And then with time, this account started growing and I started sharing more and more things and I, I did a few teacher trainings and I deepened my own teachings and it was just, it was a really intense, intense time. Um, but somewhere around there, kind of in the beginning, uh, this, this trend of yoga challenges started on Instagram and I just realized right away, at least the way it was then, it's not the way I I feel it is anymore, but at least then uh, these yoga challenges would be something that you do for a consecutive, consecutive days in a row. So maybe it's like a 10 day yoga challenge or 30 day yoga challenge where you do one post every single day and you're supposed to follow that and put a photo of yourself in that post online. And right away, I kind of didn't like the idea of, of this at all. I I think I feel like when I'm talking about this now, I feel like, "Oh my god, like who was I to judge anybody? Who was I to to, you know, say anything about this? Like who gives a shit? Like let people live their life, whatever." But I was a, a little bit on a high horse and I decided that these yoga challenges are the stupidest shit I've ever seen. And in the beginning, it wasn't very smart. Like it wasn't it wasn't great. There was a lot of advanced poses and it was, "Okay, do yoga in your office today." like do wheel pose. And there was pictures of women in high heels doing wheel pose at their office. So no preparation, no warm up, no like contradictions, no, you know, if you don't know how to do this pose, do something else or don't do it. (laughs) There was none of that. So I just felt it was a really irresponsible way to share the practice. And I decided to counterbalance all of these yoga challenges that were happening uh, because it wasn't something people were asking me, can you do a challenge? Can yoga girl do a yoga challenge? Because I had uh, I think the bi- the biggest following in the yoga community then. Um, and I didn't want to do this because I felt like it was stupid. So I decided, okay, I'm going to, instead of promoting, you know, do this pose or put your body in this pose every day and post a photo of yourself. Let's just focus on doing yoga every day. So it doesn't matter what it looks like. doesn't matter what you're doing. It's not so much about putting your body in a certain pose, but, Let's just try to get on the mat every day. Like that's the challenge. The challenge isn't do all these, you know, all these crazy poses. The challenge is how can we stick with the practice? That's, I mean, at least for me, that's the most challenging thing. I think for everyone, that's the most challenging thing there is. How can I find a way and find space to really return to the mat every single day? So I came up with yoga every damn day. And okay, Dennis, I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you credit, Dennis. Yes, uh, there was this thing uh, called skate every damn day, and Dennis, my husband, is a skateboarder. He had a skate shop back then, a Salad Skate Shop. That's why he's Dennis from Salad on Instagram. Um, so he was skate every damn day, he was kind of all around, and he was he was sharing that. And then I thought of yoga every damn day, so I started a hashtag and it started as a challenge we had a challenge uh like a challenge website and the idea was to for one month or for 30 days straight just do yoga every day and not to post a photo of yourself in a pose necessarily it could be a photo of your feet on the mat it could be a photo of the sky above you before you practice it could be a photo of anything the challenge was just to stick with your practice and something beautiful happened <laughs> i think there was uh Maybe a lot of people out there that felt like they weren't resonating with these challenges or like it, yoga seemed so challenging. Like, do I have to do handstands and advanced backbends? And I have to learn all this tough stuff for me to count as a yogi because that's all social media and yoga showed then. It was all so advanced and so difficult. And so, you know, a lot of it was really, really unsafe. Like we shouldn't be doing these crazy poses at the drop of a hat. Most people can't do that without inj- injuring themselves. So it was not a really responsible thing to to do. And this challenge just blew up. It took off. It people, so many people joined. I mean, I cannot. I I don't know. I know we had, I think, hundred and fifty thousand tags, it right away, like in the beginning, like right away. I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands of people just joined this challenge and started sharing their experiences and also how did I feel in my practice today, what changed today compared with yesterday. Or today was a really hard day to step on my mat. How did I get myself on the mat anyway? And what do I feel like afterwards? Like, did it actually make a change that I practiced today compared to not doing it? And these conversations started about, you know, I have these injuries where I, I had children and now I feel this way. And, and Yoga Every Damn Day, me starting that hashtag, was actually the, the true beginning of this community. It really, really was because it started a conversation and it brought people together in a, in a beautiful way. And now the hashtag has just, I mean, it's, I think it's almost at 10 million posts or something (laughs) ridiculous and insane. I think very few people even know that I started that movement so long ago. And it's, 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 yeah, it's something that I'm, I'm really, really proud of now. And people ask me sometimes, so the idea of yoga every damn day, like it's so hard. Number one, it is so hard. What can I do to stay inspired and come back to my practice every day? And also, is it, safe and is it good to do this physical type of yoga every single day? Not all the uh, old or the senior teachers um, actually promote practicing yoga every single day because it is a lot and it depends on how you practice. So I like to remind people that yoga every damn day, it's yoga every damn day. It's not asana every damn day. So it doesn't have to be you physically doing a 90 minute vinyasa practice every single morning. No. And also it doesn't have to look the same every single day so your yoga today it could be five minutes of sitting with your eyes closed breathing in your bed before you get up in the morning your yoga today could be taking your feet off in the grass and taking a few minutes to really really breathe when you're in the park or do a quick stretch your practice could be loving kindness toward yourself i mean there's there's so many parts of this practice and asana is just one limb right so There are ways to return to the practice every day, and it doesn't have to be this physical thing. And I think once you get out of the idea that yoga has to look a certain way for it to count, it's much easier to really return to the practice. You are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. How well did you sleep last night? As a new mom with a little baby, sleep has never been more precious than it is right now. That's why I'm so grateful my bed is lined with the softest bedding from Parachute. Snuggling with my little baby girl into the comfiest sheets ever makes us both blissfully cozy, even if actual sleep doesn't always happen. I aim to create positive impact with everything I do and also what I buy. Parachute is a company I can really stand behind. Designed in Venice Beach and responsibly manufactured in Europe by fairly paid employees. The fabrics are 100% natural without any harmful chemicals or synthetic softeners. Parachute also partners with United Nations Foundation Nothing But Nets, donating thousands of life-saving bed nets to communities in critical need. Check it out right now. Visit parachutehome.com slash yoga girl for free shipping and returns. Are you worried about what happens to your returns? Well, all returns are donated straight to Habitat for Humanity. I mean... Are you in love with this yet or what? Sleep is so important. Turn your bedroom into a peaceful haven with parachute and help others around the world sleep deeply as well. So visit parachutehome.com slash yogagirl for free shipping and returns. You have 60 days to fall in love where you can send it back. No questions asked. Check out parachutehome.com slash yogagirl today. Are you ready for spring? I sure am. Over here in Sweden, I make it my business to get outside and get some sunlight on my skin each and every day. But in the winter, that can be really hard, and your body will feel the effect of that. Did you know that 97% of women ages 19 to 50 are not getting enough vitamin D from their diet? Luckily, Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% in a clinical study ritual is a clinically backed multivitamin for women 18 plus with high quality and traceable key ingredients in clean bioavailable forms you get nine key nutrients in two delayed release capsules per day that optimize your body's absorption and the best part you can trust what you are putting in your body because ritual has the usp verified mark that means that the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label and only one percent of supplement brands are able to get this mark so it's a big deal Ritual's multivitamins are vegan, non-GMO project verified, gluten and major allergen free, certified B Corp and made traceable. I have taken Ritual for years because of reasons like this. I love knowing that the ingredients in my vitamins are actually doing their job. Otherwise, what's the point? No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash yogagirl. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash yogagirl for 25% off. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to share my best tips for actually practicing yoga. Every damn day. So it could be the best tips, you know, for starting up a yoga practice. If you're new, if you feel like you're a beginner or you're just starting up or to, you know, tips that also can help you to really stick to a practice that you already have. And my best tip, and this is the hardest thing. (laughs) I'm giving a tip that I know is really hard, especially if you have a family or a job or a baby or (laughs) anything, you know, that takes up time in your life, which we all have. But my best and most important tip is roll out your mat every day. Really roll out your mat every day. I'm not saying move your body on your mat every day. I'm saying roll out your mat every day. And the beauty of the practice is that you can adapt it. It's going to, you can adapt it to what's happening in your life in this moment. So sometimes we get injured. Okay. Sometimes we get injured. We have pain. Maybe something really intense happened to you. Maybe you broke a leg or like maybe there's reasons that you physically cannot move your body right now. That happens, right? It happens all the time still roll out your mat. Rolling out your mat doesn't have to mean that you're moving through these sun salutations and sequences or going into these poses. But if you can take five minutes maybe that day if you're feeling like you can't move or you don't want to move, some days we we don't want to move our bodies, sit, roll out your mat and sit or roll out your mat and lie down. Just get into the habit of rolling out your mat every single day. And the moment you step on your mat, assuming that you can move your body, decide on one pose, decide on one stretch, decide on, I like to, when I begin, especially if I feel like, okay, I don't want to practice today. It just sucks. I don't have time. I'm too stressed. It just doesn't feel good today. Like I, I don't want to do this. We all have those days. If that's the case, I decide on one thing. I, I close my eyes, I sit down and I feel my body and I check in. Okay. What needs attention right now? Usually for me, it's always, always my upper back. My upper back is intensely very, very, very tight, always has been. And it's where if I ever, if I have too much stress or too much thing, many things going on, that's where I feel pain first. That's kind of what shows me that I need to slow down first is neck or shoulder or upper back pain. But I close my eyes and I ask, okay, what do I need? Some days it's, okay, my hips, I need just one, a hip opener would be great. A heart opener would be great. A forward fold would be great. Anything, I check in what, choose one thing, right? So for you, maybe it's, you know, your hamstrings are really tight. You know, that's kind of what you need every day. Then decide to do that and start. And usually the moment we begin, even if it's just that one pose or just that one stretch, it's going to lead to something else. And if it doesn't, and it's just that one pose, that one stretch, at least you had a couple of minutes of dedicating time to yourself on the mat that day. At least you had a couple of minutes of being with your body even if it's 5. Okay, 5 minutes of being with yourself, 5 minutes of being with your body of giving yourself attention, of being present with where you are is better than 0 minutes of being present where you are in that day. So roll out your mat and start. And I find okay, I start I usually start with something for my upper back. I like to use blocks for passive or supported back bends because you can just kind of melt over the blocks and it doesn't require a lot of work. And I realized as soon as I breathe and I drop into my practice, oh, I start craving it right away. And then that leads to something else and it leads to something else. And what I decided was going to be like five minutes lying on my blocks in the morning becomes a whole hour of practice, just like that. And that that's usually how my, how my days go if I'm in my home practice. And a home practice is challenging, but once you have it, it's the most valuable thing because we don't always have time to get to a studio. We don't always have a teacher that we love. We don't always have yoga accessible we can always afford to go to classes but if you have a yoga mat I mean there are tons of things you don't even need a mat for but if you have a yoga mat at home you can do yoga every day for free so tip one is to roll out your mat every single day and if that day you're sitting in silence and you take five or ten minutes to meditate to focus on your breath to be with your body here and now that's beautiful If it's taking a minute before you run, you know, to the subway or the bus or to get to work, um, to list three things that you're grateful for, a gratitude practice on your mat. And that's beautiful. But make the habit of rolling out your mat every day. Because with time, even if you're not necessarily practicing asana every day, with time, the act of rolling out the mat becomes the ritual and it becomes what's sacred and it will lead to different things. But once you do it every day, you're going to continue doing it every day and it becomes like brushing your teeth. It's just something that you do every morning or every evening or whenever it fits you, right? So roll out your mat every single day. And then the second tip kind of ties into this first one or what I spoke about just now is allowing your practice to adapt. Don't get stuck in a box or with a label. This is my yoga practice. And this is why I love Ashtanga yoga. Love, love, love. It's one of the, as soon as I healed my back pain, it's one of the first styles of yoga that I really dove into. And I love the idea of I love the repetition and the idea of, you know, your body just knowing what to do, not having to think. Um, Not having to think about what poses to practice, I mean. But um, a reason that I had always a hard time sticking with Ashtanga is it felt a little too rigid for me. So for me, or for this, you know, this, this, this second tip, if you can allow the practice to really adapt to you, that means for me, my practice looks completely different every day. Because, hey, what if you're pregnant? Or, hey, what if you're injured? Or, hey... What if today you just feel like poop and you don't want to do any of this stuff? You know, you don't want to feel like, oh, I didn't practice today because you didn't do what you do, what you do every single day, right? So allowing it to adapt, meaning that yoga every damn day can also be sitting in silence, and that can be your practice. Tip number three also very much ties into this is um finding a teacher that you actually like, right? So when people ask me, well, how do I how do I find a teacher? How do I know when I found the right teacher for me? I like the idea of, of a good teacher being someone that you can really envision having a cup of tea with or drinking a glass of wine with, even for the for the hell of it. <laughs> someone that you resonate with, not just as a teacher, but as a person. And because if you like the person, right, if it's a person that you actually enjoy speaking to, or if it's a person that you resonate with, you're going to listen and your body's going to open up and you're going to take the instruction in a really, really good way. And most of all, you're going to keep returning to that class or to that teacher. And you can form a relationship with that teacher, which is so, so, so important. And this is why, you know, online yoga, it's, it's great. It's a great addition to a regular practice. Um, of course, 108.com is, is, is my heart and soul. home practice is beautiful. You can take it anywhere you go. It will be you and your body. It's really how you form a relationship with yourself. It's so valuable. But finding a teacher to help you and support you on this journey is crucial. Finding someone to support and guide you through your practice is so important. And also, if you have a good teacher that you really like and you return to those classes over and over, chances are that you're gonna start building community through your practice. And that's just the most beautiful, beautiful thing. And it leads me to my next tip, which is find a yogi friend. Either if you have someone in your life already that loves to practice yoga, making little yoga dates is just the best thing ever because then you can encourage each other. Yoga and then brunch is my favorite thing ever, post-yoga brunch, maybe a little mimosa. That's like the perfect Sunday of all time. Either that or finding someone maybe in the studio or someone who likes to take the same classes as you do and strike up a conversation and make friends. The community of the practice is, uh, it's really my favorite part. And being a studio owner now, it's also, we're so new, so we're just building community right now, but starting to see the same people returning every single day or several times a week and people making friends in class and rolling out their mat next to each other and learning from each other and asking questions and growing in this practice together it's uh, it's it's my absolute favorite part and that's also what i really love about instagram and social media is how we can be an inspiration for each other and how we can find this community even globally so beyond the little studio where i'm sitting in now and and connect from all over the world so through yoga every damn day that's kind of that's kind of how all of this works right so we can all encourage each other and inspire each other to get on the mat every single day. And my last tip for practicing yoga every damn day, uh, it's starting up a yoga ritual. And okay, you can also use uh, <laughs> a less yoga word or a, a, you know, call it just a routine. But for me, I have some really specific things that I do before I roll out my mat. So it's become a little, yeah, like a little ritual. So when I start with the first thing, I already no, I'm on my way to my practice. I'm already kind of getting in the zone. Um, First of all, I I put my hair up in this way I only do when I'm practicing yoga. It's a really high ponytail and then I like to braid my ponytail so that no hair ever gets in my eyes or everything is kind of out of the way. And then if I'm practicing a lot, which I am right now, I have this thing where uh, the the skin on the bottom of my big toes (laughs) chafes off. So I tape my toes for, um, to prevent that, which is uh, really, really helpful. And then I grab my mala beads and I have several mala mala beads that I, uh, that I use for meditation or sometimes I just use for inspiration or to feel empowered throughout the day. And they each are infused with a separate or different intention. So I, I choose the mala that I really feel is, um, perfect for the day. And then I take my mat and take my yoga towel. I fill up my water bottle and then I roll my mat out. So But even when I start, you know, in the morning, I put my hair up, I'm already breathing. I've caught myself kind of in front of the mirror, just putting my hair up in this ponytail or braiding my hair, and I'm already connecting to my Ujjayi breath. So it's almost like the yoga starts infusing other parts of my life, so... The yoga practice is not just what happens on the mat anymore, but it can expand to the time, you know, the hour before I'm already in the zone. And then, of course, the afterglow of the practice. It just sticks with you for the rest of the day. So a little routine, anything that kind of um, gets you started. And I'm not saying that that yoga is difficult, you know, I just, I get so many questions from people asking, how can I stick with this? Because it is such a powerful practice, but it is the most powerful when we do it every day. You are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. What inspires you to practice yoga every morning? How about finding inspiration from your wardrobe? I'm talking about your yoga pants. On those mornings when yoga every damn day seems impossibly difficult to maintain, I put on pants that are bright and happy prints and instantly I feel ready to move. A great way to re-inspire your practice is to toss aside those plain boring black leggings and step into a fresh pair of artist-designed yoga pants from Sankalpa. Sankalpa launched a Kickstarter campaign last week to introduce their first collection of 60 pairs of beautifully designed high-performance yoga pants. Sankalpa Yoga Pants feature a ton of amazing, high-quality prints from artists and yogis all around the world, each print telling a story. Perfect for vigorous workouts or everyday wear. They are a definite conversation starter wherever your day takes you. Made from the highest quality microfiber yarn that's breathable, quick-dry, and super comfortable, each pair is printed, cut, and sewn in Southern California. Plus, each design is created by a completely different artist, so your purchase directly supports each artist behind the print. Give your yoga practice or exercise routine a fresh boost. Go to livesankalpa.com slash kickstarter right now to get an amazing pair of artist-designed yoga pants at a great discounted price. Hurry over before the Kickstarter ends early June and make sure to take advantage of the early bird discount before they sell out. Go to livesankalpa.com slash kickstarter. That's L-I-V-E-S-A-N-K-A-L-P-A dot com slash kickstarter. K-I-C-K-S-T-A-R-T-E-R livesankalpa.com slash kickstarter and I really hope that these tips are are helpful to you for me right now in my life well I have a nine week old baby I'm just falling in love with my yoga practice again and every single day is teaching me something huge Um, for instance did you know that when you're in the midst of warrior three balancing on one foot and your milk comes in that usually throws off your balance a little bit (laughs) That's happened to me several times. Um, My boobs started leaking mid-practice the other day. I had to actually leave the room because I heard the baby scream and my boobs went, hello. (laughs) That's just crazy. Uh, But I'm feeling really good overall. It's just such a new practice right now. Um, And and I, I find myself coming back to that really early mindful place in my practice, my first year when I had so much back pain and I had to really be mindful of every movement, every pose. It's the same thing right now. So much in my body has changed. For instance, my core, where did you go? Core, hello, can you come back? Please come back in my life. <laughs> if it's something that I always, always, always had, is this, I mean, in my practice, uh, it's this super solid core. So since my second year of practice, it's just I built all this core strength and I maintained it really, really well. And it meant that these inversions and arm arm balances came so easily for me. And anything that involved any type of core strength always was really simple. It was never a problem. However, this always meant that my heart and back bends was super challenging because the more you strengthen the front body, the tighter the back body becomes. And uh, it's something that I still struggle with. But now where has my core gone? I mean, it made space for a baby. I know my, my abs have just totally separated and shifted and everything is kind of integrating and and, and coming back together. But I find myself in poses that used to be so easy. I mean, literally, yeah, warrior three is is a great example used to be so simple for me. And now it's a combination of the fact that I have very little core strength to support, support the pose, my glutes, what's happened to my glutes, my outer hips. It's just it's like they went to bed and they haven't woken up yet. (laughs) I struggle so much in warrior three that it's, it's, it's no, it's not, it's not doable. I have to do them with two blocks. I put my hands on two blocks. And then anything that involves any type of backbending, I spent nine months carrying this, you know, nine and a half pound baby in the end, she became so heavy. And I spend so much time right now breastfeeding and holding her I'm rounding my upper back shoulders are coming forward my neck is tightening and I'm trying to be really mindful as I hold her and feed her to to keep the length of my spine but it's so challenging and I'm realizing carrying a baby for 15 hours a day and I do yoga one hour a day it doesn't really make up for it but anything that has to do with backbends right now it's so it's equally challenging and oh fucking amazing (laughs) even lying down flat on the ground bending my elbows to 90 degrees is an intense stretch for my chest because i'm just carrying this baby all day long. So every time i step on the mat, it's something new is happening, something new is coming my way and i'm having these major epiphanies about the miracle that is the body but also about the patience that my body needs. And feeling like a beginner again is it's it's actually really awesome. I'm not frustrated at all. I've been able to be really gentle and really kind to myself. I mean, after all, i I did this what I feel is like a superhuman thing. I grew a child in my body, and then I birthed that child and now I'm feeding that child with my body i mean it's it sounds like a superhuman thing. actually, it's something that women do every day all the time. It's crazy women we are so badass it's insane, but this is it's really given me more it's given me more kindness kindness toward myself comes much easier these days because. I'm really proud of my body. And yeah, it looks different, like for sure. Like I still have a rounded belly. I mean, that's going to take some time. I'm not forcing anything. I really don't care. I have stretch marks on my belly. I'm going to do a post about that soon. I didn't have or couldn't see any stretch marks on my belly when I was pregnant at all. And then when she came out and my belly's like came back together, you can see I have stretch marks beneath my my belly button and then it was asking like, oh, like, you know, he thought I was going to be sad or upset. Like, you know, I'm sure you can like find a cream or something. And I'm like, you know what? I feel really good with this. Like, I feel really good with them. Like this is my belly telling the world, look how much space I made for love. Like, look at the space I held for love. It's just, it's, it's pretty damn amazing. And I'm grateful for this practice now every day. Not only is it a place for me to return to me and to focus attention on myself and to give myself some space and self love and and just to really feel at home, but I mean it's also a place to to feel connected to the rest of the world and it's something that the same way when I'm feeding Lea Luna and she locks eyes with me and I get this it's almost like just this wave hits me. it's like my heart is just hit with this wave of. I can't even explain it. It's like, it's like I'm getting hit in the face by love. <laughs> oh my God, that sounds so corny, but it, that's really what it is. And then when I stand on my mat, I feed her the last thing I do. And then I run into the classroom and, then, and, and, I, and I step on my mat. And then I go from that moment to feeling my practice. And I feel my feet rooted on the ground. And I feel connected to earth. I feel connected to the universe. I feel connected to you. To every single person, not just that practices or that is on a yoga mat in that moment, but to everyone walking this earth, to everyone beside me in this life, all of us. I mean, we're all we're all in it. We're all practicing, we're all living, breathing, doing our best. And it's divine, this this community, this life, this world. I'm so grateful for this practice. I'm so grateful for the genius that is this practice of yoga. And I'm so grateful for you. Thank you so much for listening in. I'll see you next week. Until then, don't forget to do yoga every damn day. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of From the Heart Conversations with Yoga Girl. You can find all of them on rachelbraithen.com, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Play, or anywhere you normally get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review while you're there. A huge thank you to the folks at Digital Media for their production work. And of course, thanks to my sponsors, Parachute and Sankalpa. Please support them the way they support this podcast. I'll see you next week.